Welcome to Tea Time with Tan Acquisition, the podcast aimed at fostering knowledge and sharing stories within the vibrant talent acquisition community. There's no surefire way to accomplish anything in life, but with each conversation, we aim to delve into diverse topics and present fresh perspectives to empower you, our fellow colleague, on your journey to success. I'm your host, Eden, and for the next hour or so, I'm going to be joined by an experienced HR manager who is currently responsible for Central Europe for one of the handful of French-founded unicorns. She's incredibly passionate about both people and HR, and in her words, it's the only job she's ever had, and it's the only job she wants to have. It's evident when we speak that this industry really is close to her heart, not simply falling into the field like so many of us, but purposely choosing to craft her career within the human resources function and all the surrounding areas that fall within it. So when you're ready, grab your favorite tea or coffee if you prefer, and join me in welcoming today's guest, Christina Schlager. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm well, excited. Look, I <laughs> Good, I appreciate obviously um, you spending the time. So we'll dive straight in. And, and one thing I'm always interested in, in finding out from everyone who joins is why do you do what you do with talent acquisition and HR? Um, when I started studying uh, business administration, it took a while for me to find the field where I want to dive in. And uh, one psychology um, course in my bachelor's and uh, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, so I did my master's in business psychology, focusing on, on HR, people development, talent development. Um, and I, I think I found my passion. <laughs> um, so as you introduced me correctly, I'm, I'm really passionate about my job. Um, about people, um, talents, um, building a great workplace, um, fostering them and finding the best match of talent and company, um, which is really important as well. Not everyone fits with each other. Um, so, um, yeah, I want to create the best new work environment for, for the people so that they, yeah, enjoy going to work. <laughs> I love that. And like I said at the beginning, so many of our industry just fall into it. And it's really refreshing to hear when someone you know, purposely decided to, to kind of step into that. Um, you know, the, the area from yourself, you know, people, the focus of people, it covers so many different areas. And one in particular I know is, is interesting for you is, is the process of candidate experience and getting kind of the right teams in place to kind of get the right engineers or get the right sales or marketing, whoever it is we're bringing on board into the team. So throughout your career, how has the process of candidate experience changed? Um, I think it didn't change that much, um, to be honest, because when I started in talent acquisition and HR, it was already quite a war for talents. Um, mm -hmm. I started working in Berlin for a startup um, in the tech industry, um, and it was a shark tank. <laughs> we were a small <laughs> startup with 15 people when I joined. Um, so building um, a tech team with front-end and back-end developers, having Google, Zalando, and all the big names around you in the same city, mm -hmm. um, you already had to really focus on uh, getting the talents for you and convincing them about joining uh, our small team um, and fighting against the other big <laughs> companies. So creating the right candidate journey from the beginning to the end to the onboarding when they hopefully signed the contract um, was really crucial. Um, for us to build the team. So it's been something so, that you, you've known quite quite well throughout your career already. Yeah, I, I 
I had to dive in immediately <laughs> from from day one after finishing my my studies. <laughs> do, do you feel as an industry collectively we're on the right path, or do you still feel that there's more to get done? Um, I think it it's never finished. Uh, we can mm. always improve. Uh, world is changing so much, especially since the last couple of years. Uh, with everything that happened and is still happening in the world. Um, but we are on the right track, I feel like. I mean, if you look at LinkedIn, uh, for example, see all the posts, um, mm. getting more young people as well into into HR, into recruiting. Um, they're bringing like this different mindset, the new mindset, and um, it's changing. Uh, but there's still, still a way to go. I think there are some companies out there that can still learn a lot <laughs> from the young folks. <laughs> Yeah, I think from the external side of things, I definitely feel there's there's I feel like there's a quite a way to go, if I'm honest. Um, and call it bureaucracy, call it time, whatever you want. I just feel like there's a lot of a lot of red tape that people don't want to undo yet around candidate experience. So the conversation we're going to have today, I'm super excited to learn a little bit more about your approach because I, I fully back it 110%. Having heard a little bit more about it before. Um, I think candidate experience is is crucial 100% in in kind of building out the right processes for both parties. So tell me a little bit about what you what you refer to me as kind of the 50-50 mentality. Explain to me a little <laughs> bit about what that is. That's a good that's a good point 50-50 um means that it's not only about the candidate um convincing a company that they want to work there. Um it's also about us as a company convincing them that we are the best uh, possibility for them, the best choice. Um, mm -hmm. So it's also about selling um, our product, our company, our team, um, our values, um, our benefits. Um, so this is what I mean by 50-50, which is more and more important uh, nowadays. Um, if you don't convince the candidate, they will go to another company that just convinced them more. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a mindset that is missing for a lot of companies out there and it would yeah. help to stand out. I, I agree. And I think, you know, again, coming from the external side, there's nothing more frustrating. And I, I know internal teams had the same pain to some degree that you run an interview process, five, six stages sometimes, which, you know, that's a different conversation to have, right? <laughs> um, but then the, the applicant still has questions. And they weren't addressed during the process. You know, they might be questions around contractual questions or offers, and that's absolutely acceptable. But, you know, if you've sold enough, if you've given the, the applicant time to ask questions, there shouldn't really be any doubts. It should be quite clear, yes or no, dependent on. Um, but I do find it there is still the chance that questions do come up. So you've broken that 50-50 mentality aspect down to me before we recorded about obviously three key elements. Um, so we'll touch into them. So you mentioned the first one being kind of the first impression. So explain to me what you mean by that and then who is responsible for that first impression? Um, I think it's just in life in general, the first impression you can't change, it's there. Um, and it's really important if you meet people in business, if you meet people in, in our private lives out there in the world, um, our first impressions, we base our judgment on that. Mm -hmm. um, this is just human nature. Um, and we can we can maybe try to think otherwise, but this is not how our brains work. Um, so for me, the first impression is the first interview that's usually happening with a talent acquisition specialist, a recruiter. Mm -hmm. um, it's crucial to 
make the candidate feel welcome. Yeah. Uh, even if it's on Teams or, or online or if it's in the office, the, the first interview, doesn't matter. Um, you need to welcome them. You need to, you know, just even if it's just a smile when the camera comes on, <laughs> it's just these little things um, and already apply the 50-50 mentality, giving them time to ask questions, explain them the job, um, talk about the company, but also obviously get to know them um, mm -hmm. and um, find out what they are all about, if they would be a fit maybe, and you want to move further in the process. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think and this is uh, first impression. So talent, talent acquisition in your mind does that first. I mean, usually, right? It's not always the case, but usually. We have such a diverse group of people that sit inside talent acquisition. You know, people have done it 10 plus years and people have done it for 10 weeks, right? So it could fall on, into anyone really at that point. So how can we actually go out and train, you know, what, what can we go and do to these, um, to these team members to kind of get them in the mindset of listen, understand for us, but also sell back? Um, I think one thing is just to coach them on what to look out for in an interview. Mm -hmm. um, I always say the best way to get to know someone is just to talk to them. Mm -hmm. um, so if you have a list, a bullet point list of questions, I need to get these 10 questions out there for the candidate. Uh, it can be quite a boring uh, interview and the candidate feels that uh, if it's just a list of, of questions that they want to check off. Um, so just telling them like, hey, you're engaging with someone you want to get to know, even if it's business, um, apply the same rules maybe that you do in your private life. Yeah. Um, I think this is one and everyone can do that. And mm -hmm. I think only people that have a bit of this like sales mentality, open mentality are working in this kind of job um, to be successful. Um, I think it's a, quite a good factor. Um, give them still a handful of questions um, yeah. that they can use or if the if the um, the conversation is not flowing very much like give them some hints what you can ask or how to maybe get the candidate feel more relaxed more at ease um, you don't need to ask questions like what did you do in this job what did you do in this job you can ask just ask them hey what did you do yesterday um, or do you have a fun a story to tell from your last job or you know something that keeps them engaged and and feel yeah. like appreciated as well i think again you know from from my perspective to yours there is you know a lot of similarities but some slight differences so one thing that works really well for us is we just ask very upfront what do you need from a team you know what do you want to find from a team you know again we work with different yeah. companies of course so it's easier that way but my my approach is always the same i know the company but instead of me spending 25 minutes explaining it to you i can tell you very quickly your number two three four elements that you need to see if they can or cannot create something like that and if they can great if they can't then let's understand what you need to see for something in the future it's having that that open chat but then on the back of that you know what their selling points are which means the rest of yeah. your conversation you just flow to what they're interested in it's it, it, you, you know and then you take those points throughout the rest of the interview process and you get the next person to touch upon maybe one of them and subtly that person's being brought in every single conversation not just once at the beginning and then hey you've got an offer great it's kind of having that consistent approach yeah what yeah uh, having uh a... sorry no talking about expecting like what do you expect um is something that's really crucial also, I think, in my opinion, to ask in the first interview is like, what are your ex 
expectations for mm. a job, for a company, for, for a manager. Um, does that fit with what we can offer you? Yeah. If you have someone who needs structure and every process set in place, maybe they're not the right fit for a startup. Um, if they don't want this, if they want to be free and create some more processes, then maybe they're not the best fit for like a huge corporate company. So, so you mentioned obviously first impressions being in that interview, but you also explained obviously your first role as a startup going against your Googles, your Zalandos, huge employer branding, lots of marketing. You're going to see them everywhere. And obviously there you are trying to convince people, hey, don't go there, come to us. So how does employer branding play a role inside that impression aspect? And then what can companies do to try and increase their awareness or people's awareness of them? Yeah, I mean, employer branding is the first impression of a company before a first interview, mm -hmm. basically. Um, so this is how people make up their mind. They decide, do I want to apply there or not? So I think as a small company, uh, you really need to focus as well on employer branding. Um, show them what you have and what they would miss out on mm -hmm. and what maybe makes you better than a big company. Um, show the, the, the pros of, of a small company um, and not focus so much on the cons, maybe. I mean, obviously, as a small company, you can't pay the salary and the benefits um, of a big corporate that's established, but you can focus on what yeah, but what else they can have? For example, like you can create processes, you have more responsibility, um, you can make more decisions by yourself, um, quick decisions, for example, mm. and people that are looking for this, then they're right fit for you. And then maybe you convince them that way. So it's leaning into what makes you the company that you are today, not shying away from the competition, but explaining, look, that's them, this is us. And let's yeah. have a conversation based on that. Exactly. And so, if you have someone who's not convinced by it, then they're not then, the right fit for you. <laughs> precisely. And I think that's also the key element of being mature enough as a talent acquisition function inside a company to realize that not every candidate's right for you and you're not right for whatever every candidate, even though you might absolutely love them. And it's about, and we, we use the phrase uh, square peg in a round hole. You know, it's not just forcing people through a process because you think you need to hit an arbitrary stat or, or number um, to please somebody. It's about who is the right person for that job. And let's have an, an equal relationship. So it's going to survive 6, 12, 18, 24 plus months. That's the key element. You know, we want people to stay. Um, and that then comes into, I guess, process. Right. So first impressions. Great. But then if the first impression is fantastic, but the process is weak behind it, you know, again, it's not really kind of hidden the boxes. So explain to me a little bit about what you've seen with candidate experience and process management. Um, so first of all, a process should be short. Uh, I mean, otherwise, if a process is like two months long, maybe mm -hmm. as a, like a big company that has a huge name, people really, really want to work for you. You can do that. But everyone else, you're just losing to the other companies because they snatch the talent right in front of you. Um, but a process should be, you should be transparent. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, having uh, the recruiting process displayed on the career page um, or, or explained in the first interview as well um, so that the candidate knows what they, they should expect and mm -hmm. also like a timeline. 
um, to to be transparent and, and have a constant communication with them so you don't lose them. Um, I think that's that's crucial. Um, I have a, a example if I yeah, yeah. may add uh, from real life. Obviously, I'm not only uh, working in, in HR and talent acquisition, but obviously sometimes I'm the talent too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yeah, true, true. <laughs> um, so I had one example that was uh, two years ago was applying for new jobs um, and I had one company and um, the second stage was meeting the team mm -hmm. but meeting the team consisted of four single interviews with each team member in the duration of one week um, so instead of having like a big group call um, we had single interviews and almost they had almost all the same questions. Yeah. So it was quite repetitive. It was a lot of time <laughs> effort for me and it was kind of boring after a while. So this is like how, how long really, were those meetings? Like, it was like each an hour. Wow. So four hours. So imagine doing that. Yeah. So imagine doing that when you're still like in a full time job, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Um exactly. So, and this is a process that is too time consuming for everyone involved. Um, and for me, that was like, okay, really? <laughs> I'm guessing. I mean, I stuck to it because I, I like the, the company, but um, it was just, no. <laughs> so that would have been two years ago, which would have been just after, or maybe just coming out of the COVID era. And it was during Oh, it was during. It was during COVID. Was that, yeah. Is that before or after the boom of talent acquisition demand? Before. Oh, just before, because there's no way that company would have been able to get away with that <laughs> after. I mean, when when talent acquisition was like unicorns, I mean, I we were getting approached as an externals like begging for for internal support, and you know, it's just that was just a wild time. Oh, oh, we live for those days yeah. again. <laughs> So you're you're obviously in a very fortunate position, right? We have to we have to acknowledge that where you are right now at Exotech, you know, you're running Central Europe. You are the person that we go to for support around process creation. You're running that ship at the moment, right? So again, coming back to it, when you want to create a process, you have the luxury of doing that. But someone who's listening might be a cog inside the TAN acquisition wheel, so to speak. So how can they personally adjust their process um, from the inside if they're listening and going, yeah, that sounds like us. You know, we're losing talent because of time and they've done the data analysis and they've seen that. What steps can they take to bring C-level and whoever it is on, on, around to kind of make changes? Mm-hmm. Um... If you talk with C-level, you need to talk their language, which is usually numbers. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're working with a talent acquisition uh, software, um, hopefully, so for me, this is the first you should implement, is really invest in good software, even if you're a small mm -hmm. company and growing. Uh, you will have the numbers. You will see how long does it take from I get the application until we send out an offer and have the contract signed. How many people are losing we and which in which step do we lose the people? Yeah. And then you can make analysis based on this, like okay, how much time does it take from step one to two um, to three? When do they drop out? So you get a lot of data from it. Is it too long? Um, are we too slow? Mm. Um, are we not efficient enough in in the interviews in the process? So if you come with these numbers to your C-level saying, okay, we have 
this amount of people dropping out, but if we adjust this step and this process, this would be the new numbers, or we would, um, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, we would reduce the numbers uh, or the, the people dropping out in the process mm. or, or losing time. So it's about being, yeah, so it's about kind of analyzing where are we today and then bringing that data to the forefront and making suggestions based on, I mean, again, making suggestions on, on what though, for example, you know, we work in different companies. I don't know what your process necessarily looks like. So I've got that data and yeah. I think we should change things, but I don't know to what. <laughs> So how, again, what would kind of the, the conversation potentially look like around there? Um, listening to candidate feedback um, is always good. I mean, you can ask them directly mm -hmm. uh, why they dropped out, uh, why they declined. You can go on, uh, I know here in Germany we have uh, Kununu. Yeah. <laughs> I know Glassdoor is, is the other one uh, worldwide. Um, see these reviews. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can get reviews also for the recruiting process. Um, just listen to podcasts. <laughs> there are a lot of books out there for, for recruiting. So get all the data and then see, okay, what resonates with you? What yeah. do you think would fit with your company? You can't have one process that fits each company. Um, even sometimes you need different processes for different positions. Mm. That can happen too. Um, so having like a, a big playground and building your own process. And I think people want to sometimes want to do it perfect from the beginning. Um, but this is not how it works with processes. You need to improve them on the go. Yeah. Um, because you get more data on the process. You see what works, what doesn't work, and then you can adjust accordingly. Uh, I, I love that, by the way, in the sense of the blatant one is speak to candidates. <laughs> it's such an underutilized resource, you know, in the sense of asking questions to them. They're the people who, who we want to impress and we want to try and, and come back to that 50-50 element. How can we improve to meet you halfway? Just ask them. <laughs> You know, yeah, we we, we get in the habit of just asking what's one or two things we need to know at this moment in time. You know, how can we improve the companies we work with by gathering this data from the market? Just add it at the end very quickly. Oh, before we go, questions, gather that and then go back to the market. And it's real time feedback, not some random marketing report created by some random company seven months ago that were creating, you know, processes from today yeah what happened yesterday so somebody in that function can utilize those processes to to try and make change and it comes back to the try element right some companies are going to be more interested some companies maybe maybe less as we say exactly um, and you tied it together at, you know when we spoke before about communication so we've made that impression we understand that we need to focus on process along the way but You've, it was quite interesting because although communication I do find important, you put it as like one of the top three things in the sense of getting this kind of 50-50 um, process going. So explain to me why why it's there and why is communication so high? I mean, communication is key in everything. <laughs> it's uh, it's always the hardest, unfortunately, even though it could be easy. Um, and it's always what, what drives success also in, in, in your life, in, in the company, not only in talent acquisition. Um, so what I mean, why is communication also important in, in the recruiting process? Um, obviously, um, 
keeping the candidate interested, don't lose them because they don't hear from you back. Um, so maybe, for example, after the first interview, send a quick like, hey, thank you for taking the time um, to speak to us. Um, right now we are processing um, the first interview. We will hear back from us with a decision and the next step mm -hmm. in two days um, so that the candidate, you know, they're engaged, keep them interested, um, but also a sign of respect um, to treat them equally. Um, and um, also com communicating what's happening. Um, uh, when I was uh, applying for, for a job, um, a part of it was an assessment, was a test. Mm -hmm. um, and usually these tests, you should announce to the candidate that there's something happening. You don't need to say what, but that it is. And I was in the second call and they was like, so we're we doing the test now. And I was like, what are we doing right now? <laughs> so, um, yeah, there was a, a like a mishap in communication. It wasn't they weren't mean or anything. It just just goes a lack in communication. Yeah, that, I mean, that's human. That happens, but obviously that leaves a, a slightly bitter taste for the candidate. Yeah. Um. I think it's also so, and I guess they it's owning your mistakes as well, right? So that communication and this happened literally to me this week. You know, I misheard something when taking a requirement from a company, and in theory you know theoretically wasted four people's time because they weren't right for the role but it's about going back to them and saying look i messed up i apologize keeping the door open let's communicate and all four of them come back and said don't worry about this it's fine i think people just want to know they want to understand where they stand not just you know in the void of never being heard from again and then a year later oh the company's popped back up they started hiring again <laughs> Yeah, and uh, this company actually owned up and was like, hey, oh my God, so sorry about this. Um, that wasn't, it was meant to be different communication and happens. And I know, you know, I know both sides. So it's I, it's easy for me to understand them. And they actually ended up working for them. So oh, wow. <laughs> it's not the current company, is it? Yeah. Or is it? I'm not entitled to say that. <laughs> the smile suggests otherwise. <laughs> well, it's obviously a good company. Let's say that one. Um, so what, what happens when communication, obviously in that instance, they've owned up to it, but communication isn't exclusive to just company to candidate, right? There's also communication between the talent acquisition team and the stakeholders internally. And as you've rightfully yeah. said, each role might possess a different process. So again, coming back to the example of the, the contributing talent acquisition individual, how can they upskill themselves communicating to stakeholders and then understanding how can they make those discussions public to the applicants easier, if that makes sense? Mm -hmm. um, you need the requirements. You need to speak to the hiring manager. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, what is it exactly do you, what exactly do you need? What are your requirements? What is your ideal profile? I mean, a job description is one thing, but you need to talk about it. Um, you need to know the details, um, also on a soft skill level, personality level, uh, get to know the team, like what's the, the spirit of the team that they're hiring for um, to find the right fit. Mm -hmm. um, so I think this is one when it comes to communication and keeping the hiring manager updated, informed, um, 
using a talent acquisition software, get all the notes in there. So every comment, all the communication is in one place and everyone has access to it, makes communication easier internally. And everyone knows what's happening. Where's the candidate in the process? Um, write down all your, your notes from the interviews. The same hiring manager needs to write down the notes uh, from the interview they had with the talent. So in case the, the talent acquisition specialist needs to sign uh, needs to send um, a rejection letter okay. um, to the candidate so that they know why. Um, otherwise, you know, kind of calls like, why did you reject me? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Hiring manager said so. Not <laughs> the best. <laughs> so the, the communication component for you, obviously you've said how important having that software is. Is there, and maybe for your current team or, or former teams, was there kind of set questions that, the talent acquisition team had to have asked the managers with each requirement or was it kind of just let's just have an open discussion with them there was no form to fill there was no mandatory or minimum requirements um, to have before they would go out and work those positions um so i always had like a small checklist this is where a checklist comes in handy I love a checklist, <laughs> um to <laughs> what is the information that i need um so for example it's like okay um what are the i mean they in, in the job descriptions they always list like everything we want a candidate that brings everything mm -hmm. like but this is not possible you can't have uh in germany we have a saying it's called eierlegende wollmilchsau rolls off the <laughs> so tongue so it means uh <laughs> so it means uh a, a pig that has wool skin and lays eggs as well uh, i have been told this actually um, <laughs> I'm going to say her name now and then I will tag her in this. So Marta, who is now a developer, so she transitioned from talent acquisition to development. Uh, she used to work for a company called One Football. Um, little plug for them. They can have that. Um, she drew it <laughs> for me. So she explained it to me. I was so confused. And then she drew it for me on a camera um, and obviously explained it in more detail. So, yes. I am aware where, where this part of the conversation is now going. <laughs> so I will leave you to explain it to everybody else what the hell that actually means. So it means basically someone that can do everything, like a unicorn. Yeah. Um, maybe, um, but this doesn't exist. You can't have everything. So uh, for me, it was always to find out the priority list mm. of the hiring manager. Like, what do you really need? And what is something like that's up for discussion and what is something that we can train the person in. Um, so to, you know, to also be better in screening the profiles um, because you can't have everything. But if I have the priority list, it helps me a lot. And that, prior um, that priority list all links back to communication, right? Is portraying that to the candidates in a very honest way. Um, and then comes back to the first impression, it all links to each other quite nicely. The the fifty fifty rule when you first explain what well, fifty fifty process when you first explained it to me it sounded super obvious I will be transparent right and I, I, I when you explained it that that's what you wanted to kind of talk about it baffled me because I was sitting thinking that's how it should be done however I know that it's not being done so as you've kind of identified it's there's a lot of ways to go so from your perspective. And again, you've come quite fortunate because you start in a startup where you have to just really focus on this stuff from day one. What would you say is the top maybe two or three pieces of advice that someone's listening to this and going, I want to start doing that today? 
what can they do to kind of bring the company to that 50-50 kind of mentality? What can they do for themselves? What kind of steps would you say, go do this today or tomorrow, and we can start you on that journey? Mm -hmm. Talk to the sales team. Okay. Uh, they are the best in training you. <laughs> uh, they're used to selling. Uh, so and this is what we need to do in recruiting as well, sell our company. Um, keep the process short. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, put yourself in, in the candidate shoes and think about what would I like to have? How do I want to be treated um, and treat them accordingly? Um, so don't have like a 10 step process. Um, two or three steps is fine. Um, and be transparent to the candidate. Um, for, for me also in the first interview is always like, I'm honest. Mm. So I will tell you also what's going wrong in our company to an extent what I can do in the first interview. Obviously, I'm not completely like putting everything on the table, but there are some points where I need to be honest um, to find out are they really happy. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't benefit you if you hire someone and then they're leaving you in the first four weeks, mm. six months, and then you have to start all over again. I would be interested. I'd love to see data. How many talent acquisition people say that? in that first interview the good the bad and the ugly that sort of stuff because i think yeah. again this comes back to the, the more mature um ta members and again not to say people who've only been there for six months are not mature but in the sense of coming back to that element of not every hire is going to be good for you and vice versa and it's about being honest and transparent from the get-go and the ones that stick around are the people you're going to want to hire and then that crazy German word, out of those, you have to find the ones that closely match for what the client, <laughs> the client sorry, what the stakeholders are looking for without necessarily being a donkey wrapped in sheepskin or whatever it was. I mean, it's, you know, but, yeah. um, but no, I, I appreciate, I appreciate you taking the time and, and kind of sharing your insights um, into this. So thank you so much. Um, there's a lot of good things from this as well. So hopefully there's, there's a lot that people can kind of take away from it. But thank you for spending the time. Thank you very much for inviting me. It was lovely. <laughs>